Many hands make slight work, and this is a big job producing this podcast, but I've got help, and the Vancouver Island Works Project has been providing a great deal of help by creating for me a premium website, biwproject.com, for a premium website for yourself. Don't go to just Wix or something like that where you bang it together. Everybody thinks they can do a DIY website, and yeah, you can, but it's going to be missing so much stuff. If you want a K car, go get a K car. If you want a Lamborghini, you go to viwproject.com. Thank you, Manny Mandruziak, who I served with, who made this possible. Thank you for your support of Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast, by providing us with a beautiful premium website. That website is operationtraumarecovery.org. OperationTraumaRecovery.org is the website that they made for us. And VIWProject.com is where you go to get one for yourself. Victor India Whiskey Project.com. In three, two, one. John Sr., welcome back to the studio, mister. Mark, as always, it's great to be here. 100%. What I wanted to cover today, John, is talking about the Zoom calls. Mm. So you and I did in-person peer support for literally years, and we get together once every two weeks mm-hmm. and uh, had varying degrees of success. I actually got skunked just once, maybe twice, where I showed up and there was nobody there. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's epic. Do it again, man. Do it again. Come on, one more time. Okay. Or I showed up and uh, and it was just crickets. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But, um, okay, enough. <laughs> I think it'll go forever if I leave it alone. Right. But that's uh, it, a bit of a kick in the pants because mm-hmm. you've you've prepared for it and you're putting in the effort and you're not getting paid for it. That's right. You know, it's, it's a freebie and you show up and then nobody else wanted to show up. So you start to wonder, geez, is there really value to what I'm doing? If nobody's showing up or mm-hmm. fuck, <laughs> you yeah. know, this is a bummer and it wasn't a short drive to get here, <laughs> especially when it was at the museum. Yeah. But, uh, then the COVID hit. And we had to pump the brakes on in-person meetings, and you really improvised, adapted, and overcame. Yeah, uh, and slid into the Zoom calls, and we weren't sure how that was going to go at first. The impetus for that was that uh, we can't leave no one behind, and I and I truly live by that, Mark. And it's um it's the reason why I went from full time OSIS to volunteer OSIS, and then and then kind of fade in and out and whatever it is it is but it's serving the veterans still and it's because i can't leave anybody behind because the way i look at it is hey if i approach you and say hey trust me i'm here to help you don't you don't leave that person hanging you know mark it's uh if i'm having a bad day and i call you i don't expect you to leave me hanging and the whole thing about peer support is about leaving people hanging and not leaving people hanging. Right. Well, that's why we started it. It Uh, is when, well, let's just talk frankly. Uh, the, the peer support coordinator, uh, position 
with osis is a high burnout position it is you know it's just too fucking much sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, you were getting paid for it and then it cooked you mm-hmm. so you left mm-hmm. but when you left just like you said uh you couldn't leave people hanging so even though you weren't getting paid for it you you kept doing the same thing for mm-hmm. free for free for free and then uh then i came along that's right you know and yes and i slowly transitioned into taking that weight off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing it. Then Tango Romeo came along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where all my focus is. Cause I'm finding that even the peer support facilitation that I was doing, uh, whether we were doing it together or uh, tag teaming, or if I was taking the lion's share for a while, it's taxing. Yeah. I, I found I find that the, the in-person stuff was a bit much, but, I find that the Tango Romeo, so basically doing what we were doing, but doing it here, mm-hmm. um, it's just not as hard on me. Yeah. I, it it uh, doesn't take as much out and it's quicker for me to recover because sometimes it's heavy. It is. You know, thank you for bringing that up. The, the, the in-person stuff is extremely emotional. It is taxing. It's a... Uh, I get so worked up and just like right now, I, I, I'm breaking a full sweat because this is what I need. I need to do this. You need to do this. And it's in the peer support stuff where you need to do it. I do it to heal. I do it to learn. I do it to help. And so doing it as a volunteer, rolling it right into the Zoom meetings was was natural because it had to happen. 14-day cycle. So I had to make a decision. So I missed one or maybe two sessions. And then it was like, I need to find something because the guys, the people that rely on this, are not getting what they need. And there's lots of women there in the group. So Absolutely. Yeah, when I say guys, I'm talking to malls, just as, as a clarification, yes. <laughs> just, just want to make sure. And yeah. actually, I was just pointing out to you uh, before we got rolling what the stats mm-hmm. are. Uh, the audience on this show is exactly 50-50, mm-hmm. uh, to male to female. And I'm so happy about that. Yeah. You know, because I, I know with the in-person, it's definitely male-heavy. Mm-hmm. And I've always feel bad for the ladies that that are there because mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel excluded. Yeah. Uh, but our peer support, there's not a lot there for first responders. Mm-hmm. It's almost completely military. So that's why there's uh, such a bend. But I'm always conscious of it. I don't want uh, anybody to feel excluded, yeah. uh, whether somebody is uh, uh, trans, gay. Whatever, anything other than a straight white male, I don't, I don't want people to to feel excluded. Yeah, you know, and I want to get all their stories. Yeah, good, good thing you brought that up as well within our group. Uh, so when I first started uh, with the Zoom, don't want to transition because of COVID. Uh, I went national for a while, and I was doing it every single week for I think about two months, almost three months. Mm-hmm. Did it every single week, and wow, what a cross pollination of everybody we got there. Um, just as you said, it's it's it, we're very non-gender when it comes to that. And, and just be clear, when I say non-gender, I don't care if you're Army, Air Force, Navy, Rig Force, Reserve, RCMP, police, it doesn't matter. It's just you're there because you have an injury, right? And, and taking away the gender from that, it really opens up a lot more for discussion. And at one time I had, I think the record I had, I think it was like 15 people online at once. That's a little too much. Well, it's uh, tough because the with the check-ins, yeah. you know, um, I hear complaints about peer support quite often. I was like, they show up to a peer support, all they hear is 
people talking about their injury and, mm-hmm. and the impact on their lives. But that was the whole thing. Yeah. You know, the, the old poor me part, which that is a part of it, but it's mm-hmm. a very, very, the way you and I do it, it's a very small part. Yeah. You know, we acknowledge the injury. We acknowledge the pain that we're in um, and the pain that we cause as a mm-hmm. result of that injury. But we focus on the solutions. We're yeah. solution focused. Exactly. Always. Yeah, precisely, Mark. Yeah, it's so solution focused. It's like, okay, you've acknowledged it. This is what it is. Sure. But what are you going to do with it? How are you going to work this? What? How are you going to move forward from this stuff? And that's what the group is all about that we do of peer support. It's let's find a solution. Let's move forward from the injury. And it's still there. You're not disrespecting it, whatever it is, by not coveting it and ruminating about it every single moment of every day, right? The injury is there. Put it in its place and acknowledge the fact that it's there, but don't let it define you. Do well, not let it define you. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we actually cover a lot of tools, don't we? Mm-hmm. About oh. how to not let it define you. <laughs> do we ever? <laughs> yeah, you know, we do. That's a big part of it. You internalize it. It's. Um, I've heard various people that have cancer mm-hmm. and either won't talk about it on purpose mm-hmm. or they won't say that it's my cancer. They say it's the cancer. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's similar. Like it's, it's something that is happening to you. It's not you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, and the one, ep- I, I, the one episode that I did on, uh, on that was IR theory. So identity versus role theory, which mm-hmm. we've done in groups several times. We have, yeah. Um, but the power of that though, I am a veteran. Yeah. That is something that you are because of something that you did, mm-hmm. but that's not who you are. It's something that you did. Mm-hmm. And the title of veteran is a title about something that you did. Mm-hmm. And it, you will always be one, but that's only one part of who and what you are. Are you kind? Are you generous? Are you loving? Are you supportive? Are you honest? Are you hardworking? That's mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah, exactly. You know, not, uh, and that's where stolen valor comes from, you know, uh, which I just did one on yesterday. Okay. On stolen valor. Yeah. Um, it comes from the idea of who am I? Mm-hmm. And when people can't answer that because they don't have any roles that they're proud of that they've played in the past, they'll make up that role. Yeah. Yeah. They'll make, they'll make it up because they just don't think that they're good enough. You know, it just triggered me. It just not, not triggered. Sorry. It just clicked to me just a second. As you said, that is, is for the same reason, maybe people do this stolen valor thing is when we get injured, does that injury define us or who we are, what we are in, in peer support group, we're trying to break that. Right. But how many people define themselves because of their injury and stay with it. And exactly. And then they, they live within that, that wheelhouse of an injured vet or an injured, whatever, you know, there's more to life than that. You know, there's more to your personality than that. There's more to living than being injured. And that's what we keep trying to promote all the time. And within within the group that we're the Zoom that we do, and with your stuff here that we do on your radio show or your podcast here, sorry, is it's all about awareness. Is breaking out of that identity theory of being injured, moving forward from it. But how do you do that? First thing is you got to recognize it. We talk about that. The since I've been doing Zoom, 
I've, I've, I've seen a lot more of the uh, people come and go. I've had a much higher turnover rate online. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen is I've seen those aha moments. The, like literally, they're, I'm watching their faces on Zoom. And then it clicks. And you see their eyes get big and their mouth drops. And they're like, oh, wow. Right? I've seen a lot more of that on the Zoom meetings than I have in person just because of that much higher turnover rate itself. Part of peer support, a big, big part of it, is creating a sense of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, PTS injuries disconnect you from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you typically don't, like, if you're still active serving, whether you're in any of the uniform services, if you're still active serving, uh, there's still the stigma of, oh my God, this is going to be a career ender or a career stifler. Mm-hmm. So I got to keep my mouth shut about it. I don't want people to think that. I'm injured. I don't want them to know that I'm vulnerable, that, that I'm weak. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, of course, it doesn't make you weak, but that's that's how they're thinking. That's right. And um, so they don't talk within the ranks um, very often. And that's starting to get better, a lot better, mm-hmm. you know, and the conversation is coming forward, but there is still that fear that I better keep my mouth shut. And then your family doesn't understand because mm-hmm. they don't understand what you're going through and, and the injury. So what's left? The only place where you feel like you're not the odd duck is talking to other people like yourself with a similar profession. Doesn't have to be the same one. That's right. That's but, right. But a similar one mm-hmm. um, with the similar injuries that are feeling the similar feelings. And then when you hear other people say it out loud, you're like, "Oh, okay, I am not alone." Mm-hmm. And it just makes it that one bit of connection is huge. PTSD creates disconnection mm-hmm. and, and fractures you from, from everybody. Yeah. You, you kind of turn into a bit of a loner and you become isolated. Um, but peer support breaks that isolation. Yeah, it does. And getting into peer support sooner than later makes a massive difference in the level of recovery you're going to have, the rate of recovery you have, and the success. And the, it also decre- drastically decreases the impact in your personal life and relationships or work or whatever it is, the sooner you can figure it out and get in there. I had, I had two people come in a couple of years back, and they didn't stay very long because the incident happened, and within 45 days, I had a contact. They contacted me. And... A year and a bit later, they're both gone. Still in contact with both those people. But it just goes to show that this theory of what we're talking about truly does work. You know, of course, they also got uh, professional help through the Oversight Clinic as well. But as a combination of the peer support with the clinical, with everything else, because again, we we always told everybody this, and we still, sorry, <laughs> we still tell everybody this as well, is that, we're only one spoke of the wheel. When this show started, you and I were big on the disclaimer of this isn't mm-hmm. therapy. But you know what? What I've discovered over the last 63 episodes, <laughs> 64 now, I think, because um, I've had all kinds of PhDs on you. Mm-hmm. You know, people with masters, uh, one fellow had two PhDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they're the ones telling me that the cl- the clinical studies, the efficacy of peer support is rock solid, if it's done mm-hmm. right. If it's done it, right, It can yeah. also do damage, for sure, if it isn't Oh, my done God. Right. 
Yeah. For sure it can. And when I, we've talked a lot about the damage mm-hmm. that it can be done, uh, if not done right. If yeah. done, if people are judgmental and whatnot. But uh, done right, peer support by itself actually has been shown to have more efficacy than therapy. Yeah. Not by a lot, but more. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's safer. It's less invasive. Yeah. Um, but it's not to say you shouldn't do therapy. I will never say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you should. But you put the both together mm-hmm. and away you go. And if you just can't do therapy, and I understand, because it is a kick in the balls almost every time. It is. And and maybe a lot of people struggle finding the right therapist that's a match for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, I got lucky. I got a good one right off the bat, uh, or at least a good match right off the bat. But with peer support, it's a lot more likely that you can find a group that, that does work for you. Um, but there's other modalities other than classical therapy. And that's one of the reasons, uh, one of the things I have on the show, you go through the show list and there's all kinds of different modalities. There's the grief recovery method that people like you and I can actually, the layperson more or less can go get our course and we Mm -hmm. can, we can become certified in the grief recovery and grief recovery method and even make a business out of it. Um, there's the tapping one. What's it called? Uh, EFT, emotional freedom therapy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one that we can learn, mm-hmm. and and it seems to have efficacy. People use it. Neurolinguistic programming is another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy with two PhDs doesn't use either of them. He uses NLP. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's actually more courses um, coming along, like certification and and legitimizing this and, and making it more formalized. It's becoming the rapid the movement in peer support is rapid the growth is rapid the learning in this right now is in it's a the phase that it's in right now is just growing and learning about it is just phenomenal at this point in time i could easily go travel down to the states and get certified for this or i can stay here and get certified for it here as well and it's um it is a truly proven thing and as and like we pointed out how how much less invasive it truly is so uh, we were going to talk about the pros and cons yeah. of the Zoom versus the in-person because we, yeah, we've got so. years of in-person experience between the two of us. Yes. And um, and we're both certified by the DND, by the mm-hmm. Department of National Defense. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a crap course, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I still couldn't brag that we're certified by the Department of National Defense. Yeah, it's, it's grown a lot since then. Uh, like. As I just pointed out here, it really has grown out in the civilian world here a lot. Uh, so many other places are using it. And it, there there are places that really do need to kind of pick it up a bit to be on par with where the growth rate has is now sitting, right? And I agree with what you just said there, but... It's not, a, it's not wasn't a great course because it, it didn't cover how to actually run a meeting, mm-hmm. like the actual facilitation. Um, I will be writing the book that I told you I was going to write, yeah. but as you know, I'm in driver training right now. So, uh, it's gotta be one thing at a time where I will be overwhelmed. Yes. But once I'm, um, um, over this next phase and done all the courses that I, that I need to do and I'm rolling in the next phase of my life, mm-hmm. um, while I'm still trying to monetize Tango Romeo with sponsors, um, I will write the book. Mm-hmm. And of course you will be a part of that, which is, what is peer support and the different types of peer support? Because there's numerous different types of peer support. Yes, yes. Um, people like, hey, uh, I, uh, I'm a peer support facilitator because I pe- take people out fly fishing. Yes, actually you are. But that's different than what you and I do. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's more than just a safe place to be. We do the psych ed piece. Mm-hmm. You know, we share lessons and have self-discovery. We, facil- we facilitate self-discovery. That's what our peer support does. That's right. Um, okay, so no more uh, uh, running around uh, the, the merry-go-round here. Uh, I want to talk about the pros and cons of zoom peer support versus the in-person peer support which you and i do right so the uh the, one of the biggest things obviously is is being in person you have that ability to uh, to use the subtle senses um you can see a person being a little jittery moving their feet their hands whereas on zoom it's a lot easier to mask that mm-hmm. you can still see the facial expressions but you're not getting the in-person um energy i guess or the aura or that that particular contact or that sense mm-hmm. that sometimes you really truly need to, um when you're in person you can feel the audience a lot better yeah whereas on zoom you're only getting what they want you to see other than when i told the story <laughs> about the fence about a couple weeks back uh, you can see them crying there or they would just leave the screen kind of stuff and it went black like no less than what five times I think it was um, for the for the one person, but the um, even then I didn't get a sense until later. So doing the Zoom meetings at times with that not being able to read them as much, it, it's a little disconcerting at times. Um, but it sure is a whole lot better than just doing an audio only in person. I can I can drill down into a subject really fast and hard because I can read the audience. Whereas on Zoom, I can't do that. On Zoom, I got to take it a lot slower to feel the audience that way and watch their facial expressions or listen to their answers or listen to their voice. Whereas in person, I can see them sweating. I can see them vibrating or getting a little antsy or whatever it is. Zoom, you lose that 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 one level of of a personalization and then audio you've got nothing except their voice to hear you on only the reason why i bring up audio is because i allow i allow people in on zoom in full blackout drive what does that mean for the average person it means that they're there they're not be able to talk they're because they're on mute and we don't have a video so they're in total blackout drive mode and it and i do that to allow people that are too scared to come on in so it's a way of allowing them to do the soft entry into zoom right that's the beauty of Zoom as well that you can't have with in-person. Because what we used to do was, if someone was brand new, we'd say, you know what? You don't got to do anything. You just sit in the back of the room and just watch and listen. Yeah, and that's definitely a strong pro because you can't do that with in-person peer support. Not really. That's right. I mean, you can, but it's awkward. Uh, we've had people at the back of the room that uh, were, were quiet and came late and left early. Yeah. But... Um, it's it's just not the same because it mm-hmm. um, they because the, their walls are still up. At least with the Zoom, um, they can go at their own pace. Yeah, it, it, that is the one distinct advantage, and it's a big advantage actually. Was yeah. the blackout drive allowing them to come on in and do that soft entry? Because then they don't if they don't get that personalized feeling of obligation. I need to speak up and say something. Whereas trying to do the soft entry in person. They, they hear the conversation, see the conversation, and then when it does get a little energetic, they want to jump on in. They may not be ready for it. They might not be ready at all for that, but they feel that personal obligation. Whereas in blackout, it's okay. I'm going to do this at my own pace. And what I've 
seen is that with um, with seeing a higher success rate, people coming back into the Zoom meetings from when they do the blackout, rather than just showing up and do the full screen, full audio, and be in there. I've seen a higher dropout rate of people doing that. Um, again, the difference between uh, Zoom and audio is is they just don't answer the phone. Yeah, <laughs> they're gone, man. You know, that's it. They're just gone. But uh, Zoom has not been a bad thing, really. Um, I just learned recently how to do split screen, so I got a whiteboard now. Yeah, dangerous, <laughs> and that's dangerous. Um, so it the nice part about that the Zoom thing with the whiteboard is that I get to do some of the drawings, so I'm hitting more senses. So that in itself is a bit more closer to being in person. Well, it makes it more engaging. It does. Yeah, it makes it a little more engaging. And I'm starting to get the feedback as the audience is learning about this stuff too, right? And we, we, we are all learning together with this COVID affecting in person meetings. And the one thing that was being missed a lot was the, the whiteboarding um, because we're hitting more senses. The scale, um, the scalability of the calls is is yeah. good too. It uh, is. Like because there's more people that show up on Zoom than show up for in person because it's easier yeah. to attend. So it reduces one of the barriers to entry. Mm, yeah, you, yeah, it does. The um, the the ability to just be in person it takes it's a chunk of time out of your day. Yeah. It's a big chunk. It is. And I think, I think at first that there's, a, there's benefits and drawbacks of both. I think the, one of the benefits is, is that you're driving there, you're setting up, you're doing your stuff. It's, it's your time. It's your time that you have to set aside for yourself. And with Zoom, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take one hour out, done. Two hours, done. It's, it's so easy. It's in and out as fast as it is. Parachute and parachute out. Whereas in person, you get it. You have to drive there. You got to sit down, and and it's more time out of your day. Some people actually need that, and others don't. So, I can't say it's better one way or the other, but that is a difference. Yeah, it is a difference. And taking it one step further is this show that we're doing right now, right? You know, where you don't have to schedule it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whenever you want, and you can pick any episode that you want. You don't have to, uh, it doesn't have to be chronological. You can skim and pick and cherry pick and maybe there's, you only like the interviews, so you mm-hmm. only pick those. Maybe you only like it when it's not an interview and it's just me doing a monologue. Well, mm-hmm. then there you go. Um, but people can pick and choose. Yeah. The reason that we do just audio here and I don't have the camera is, although I am populating a YouTube channel yeah. uh, right now to see if it, if it gets any traction with uh, just just audio on the YouTube channel. But the thing is with um, uh, a radio show or uh, a podcast where it's just auditory, it's easy for people to download it. It takes mm-hmm. it takes less data and they can take it with them on the road. You know, you can't yeah. watch a YouTube video while you're driving. You're right. And the uh, thanks for allowing me to go thanks for allowing me to go there and actually bring this up too was the um the audio aspect here of, of doing the podcast is extremely powerful because I do. I download them and I listen to them whenever I'm driving, going somewhere, doing something else. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the icing on the cake, truly, when it comes down to it. Having these podcasts, um the and it is powerful because we do tie in to each other and, and I think that it just reinforces substantially both aspects of of either doing the peer support meetings, whether they're either in person or on Zoom, and then 
tying it up with with the podcast is very strong because we get the same message different times. And when you get in that, just like the story of the boy in the fence we did it a little while ago, it um, you'll hear that story over and over and over again. But it's going to hit you differently in a different state of mind or in a different yeah. situation. And that's the power of, of doing the podcasts versus live meetings because you're, you're able to let your mind wander a little bit and then think deeper into it because you're into yourself when you're just by yourself in your car listening to a podcast. And all of a sudden you get that aha moment that we see on Zoom or in person. And it's a revelation and you want to share that, right? <laughs> there, there's so many ways to describe listening to the same lesson again and again and how important mm-hmm. it is. Uh, one of those is a Chinese proverb. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah, yeah. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so maybe you weren't ready to hear that level of depth of the message Bingo. that time. So you listen to it again, and you heard something different. Then you listen to it again, and you heard something different again. The other part is um, uh, the saying that you like from, from Wayne Dyer. When you change the way you look at things, mm-hmm. the things you look at change. Well, every time you learn something new, you just changed. Mm-hmm. And when you change, the way you look at things change. So when you look at it, you learn something new, you're now different, you listen to the same lesson again, you've heard it in a different way because you're a different person. <laughs> yeah, You know what? Again, you just you also tripped another thing here. It's also that we recycle in our, in our Zoom meetings, Mark. We do. We recycle so much of what we taught years ago. Mm-hmm. The way as we're growing as peer support facilitators and as you grow on your podcasts the way you tell your stories change too that's right and when you're telling that story or you're recycling that same lesson over again it's different for the person receiving it so it's it's really complex when you when you look at the whole the whole picture and and I keep saying to you the one does tie into the other and and you can't have one without the other for the full level of efficacy. You know, the podcasts you're doing, the Zoom meetings that we're doing, the in-person meetings we still do sometimes, um, given the restrictions, make a difference. And, and you know it from the feedback, you know. Um, mm, yeah. Th- there are people that often don't say anything, a group, but you can see from the look on their face that it's their lifeline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's their lifeline and it's the same as this podcast and there's different strokes for different folks, mm-hmm. different people like different modalities. That's right. Uh, for some people, equine therapy is the only way that they go. Others, it's uh, the the float tanks, you yeah. know, uh, sensory deprivation float tanks. Uh, others, it's marijuana. Mm-hmm. Others, it's mushrooms, you know. Yeah. Um, it, hey man, whatever works. That's exactly it. Whatever works for you, use it. Is your pain being relieved? Are you growing as a person? Mm-hmm. But like anything, um, I still caution people to just because you're doing the right things doesn't mean you're making progress. That's right. Because was it a checkbox activity? Well, I've done A, B, and C, therefore I should be getting better. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. But are you making actual changes in your life? As, and as an example for myself. Right, I quit drinking on April sixteenth. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a raging alcoholic. My children have never seen me drunk. Right. I've never had a DUI in my life, but it was getting to be enough of a habit that I thought, 
Mm. Yeah. I could see a problem coming down the road and mm-hmm. I decided to stop. But that has been an important step in my overall recovery because I was starting to use it as a crutch as, yes. and it's, it's not good. Um, and people get into the marijuana argument, which I'm not on anymore because I can't, I would, but I have to be able to pass P tests. <laughs> so I can't, yeah. um, but I, it, it's not the same because it, it doesn't take away from your life, the cannabis, mm-hmm. whereas uh, alcohol does nothing but take away. Mm-hmm. And I, hey, I miss it. I miss a nice uh, a glass of whiskey on ice. You know, I do enjoy it, but um, the bad outweighs the good. Mm-hmm. So the point is, though, I took an active step. Uh, physical fitness, diet. If you don't actually make the decision, and of course you'll yeah. fall off the wagon, you'll have a bag of Doritos and you'll <laughs> skip a few workouts. As long as you keep getting back on the horse, though, you're winning. That's right. You know, if you get bucked off, the only way to quit, to fail is to quit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to be bucked off for a few months. Just at some point, yeah. get your ass back on that horse. Get we, back in the gym. Yeah. You know, because if you are physically active, the more physically active you are, uh, the healthier your mind is, the better you feel, the lower your stress levels, mm-hmm. and the better human being you are. It's just, there's no way around it. The, we see people uh, that's on the Zoom meetings, you get to see them uh, in there, how frequently they show up. What kind of condition are they when they do show up, right? So in person and on Zoom, you get to see that kind of stuff. You get a better reading of the person again in person versus just seeing them on screen because they will show you what they want to show you again. So that's, that's one of the other differences. Um, and yeah, being able to see the progress people make as well. And of course, some people are just not ready for peer support yeah. at all, whether it be in person or even on a Zoom call. And you mm-hmm. know exactly what I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> when I uh, Even on a Zoom call, you can blow up the room. Yeah, you uh, sure can. <laughs> yeah, and you know exactly who I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. But not everybody's ready for it. We, Being a peer support person, it, it's a beautiful thing in so many ways because you get to see the success, the progresses. But you also see the failures, you know, the small setbacks, right? And, and you can't, you can't help them all. You, you can't help them all, but, but being there and helping them come back from that little back, that little, that little stumble or a complete fucking failure and then come back again kind of thing. Yeah. It's a very private thing to share that with a person and, and let them know that this is, this is normal. Part yeah. of healing is a little bit of failure. And that's one of the big, um, spots for this podcast Mm -hmm. is for the people that just aren't ready or they just aren't comfortable. Um, If if somebody can't stay sober long enough to show up to a peer support meeting, because if you're drunk, you can't really come in the door. (laughs) Sorry. Because it's a a mess. Um, (laughs) But for for that person that isn't ready for whatever reason, they still got this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They still got this. And I don't think it's less than when we started, we kind of thought maybe this would be less than, but it's not. It's, it's not different. Less than, yeah. It's a different modality. That's exactly it. It's and just a different platform. For some, they will prefer it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but at the same, but it's doing the same thing as peer support. It is. You're hearing a culturally competent voice, people that are uh, feeling the same pain, going mm-hmm. through the same thing, the mm-hmm. same injuries, the same effect on their life, also burning through two or three wives yeah. <laughs> maybe for, or more mm-hmm. uh, or, or husbands or whatever the case may be. 
um, not, you know, unstable relationships, unstable income, unstable work environment, uh, just unstable. Dude, my life is fluid. <laughs> it's, it's a cup of water right now. <laughs> but I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> We're still going. We're still going. We're still going. Yeah. And we probably wouldn't be if we didn't take the steps that we've taken, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we're not peer supporters at peer support facilitators or podcast hosts because Mm -hmm. we've got it figured out quite the fucking opposite. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We're still, still in search mode. You you said it earlier in our conversation, John, you doing this because this is what you need to do for you. That's right. You know, being the facilitator is your modality. Yeah. You know, that is what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. And I've explained this to my wife, all these hours I'm putting into Tango Romeo, this is mine. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, it's not for any other reason. Well, it, it's a sense of purpose. It's a sense of purpose because I know it helps because people tell me it helps, but it's also for myself. It gets me in the right headspace, but I can also overdo it. There was mm-hmm. a couple of weeks where I did two or three shows a week. Yeah. It was too much. Yeah. My relationship suffered because I was in that remembered stay ceremony mode, you know, uh, and I wasn't even aware of it. Right. But of course, my wife could see it. <laughs> yeah, they can see it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, remembered stays uh, about three weeks away or two weeks away. Mm-hmm. But my wife already can, she, she's like, holy crap, we're three weeks out and you're already, you're already, <laughs> you're already there, amped. Man. Yeah. Oh, no. It's going to be a long month. Um, you just said something a, little, uh, a few seconds ago about, you know, I do this because, you know, at the same time, there's haters out there that they don't like what we do or how we're doing it. Um, that, but there's people that are, are cheerleading at the same time. So you can't please everybody. Ever. You know, um, as long as you're doing the best job you can, you're honest about it, and you're doing it for the right reasons, and you're not causing harm, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? Well, and there's absolutely no great accomplishment that didn't have haters. That's and right. in fact, the greater the accomplishment, the more the haters. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, if I got Tango Romeo haters, I have they they haven't said it to my face yet. <laughs> so uh, so far, I'm going, I'm I'm okay. But uh, it's bound to happen at some point. Yeah. And um, and when it does, that's okay. It just lets me know that uh, I'm on the right track. It it kind of hurts and stings a bit, you know, like when when you when someone says, says something bad, you know, um, it, it does hurt a bit because you're like, shoot, dude, you know, I really, I really thought the world of you too. You know, I, I, I was, I really went on my way and everything else. And they just, they just don't see it. Don't believe it. Don't want to hear it because they're too much in their own heads. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the struggle comes in. The pain comes in of, of, I have to let that person go. Yeah. I have to let that person go because they're not ready. And it's all you can do. And that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find, no matter what you're doing, um, like the book I wrote, this is when I really learned it. Uh, When I wrote a book way back in 07, it was published in Mm -hmm. 08. Mm -hmm. um, Within two months, it won an international literary award for contributions to human potential. Mm -hmm. Now that sounds pretty freaking cool. Yeah. You know? Well, I was so freaking surprised <laughs> by that, that I actually got accolades and I was so surprised by the people that would call me up and, and, and say how wonderful they thought it was that I, I mean, I didn't feel that I deserved any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those that were around me, 
there were a lot of people that turned into haters yeah. and would diminish it. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I, I didn't understand because yeah. I'm never like that. I'm a cheerleader for other people. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for other people. But what happens when you're doing something that they're not, the haters come out because it's they feel wounded because they are reminded of all the things that they could be doing if they chose to, mm-hmm. but they're not. And it's nothing you can do about it. If you're going to do something that's outside of the box, that that's that that's outside of the normal, the normal people are going to want to uh, take um, slices at you. It's crab bucket theory. It's not about you. It isn't. It's mm-hmm. the crab bucket. Yeah. And when you're in recovery and you're climbing out of the bucket, so the story of the crab bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, a young boy is on the fishing boat with his dad, and um, and his dad says, keep an eye on that bucket full of crabs there, son. And during this entire crab fishing trip, I want you to just keep an eye on that bucket and then tell me what you see. Well, that's a weird freaking thing to tell me to do, Dad, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, what the boy notices is that as there's a few crabs in the in the bucket, there's a half a dozen or so, um, uh, every now and then one would be trying to climb out and, and try to save itself. And just as it's on the edge, the other cli- uh, buck, uh, crabs would reach up, grab them and pull them back into the bucket. Mm-hmm. And he would watch this and it would happen again and again. Uh, it, instead of trying to support this crab that's trying to leave this bucket, which is a bad place to be because it's from the bucket to the, to the pot. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, you, you would think the other crabs would be supporting them, but no, it's like, no, you're going to stay here in the bucket with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like that every time you try to grow. Yeah. So if you're trying to recover from PTSD, there are those that don't want to recover. They want to remain injured and they don't want to re- be reminded there is something on the other side. That's right. And they will try to pull you back into the bucket. If you go to write a book or have a podcast or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you'll have some cheerleaders, which is great, mm-hmm. but you're always going to have the people trying to pull you back in that bucket. Yeah. And when I did the rule of five um, a couple of shows ago, mm-hmm. the rule of five is about who you choose to have in your orbit. Uh, the five people that are around you the most are you. Look in the mirror. That's you. Yeah. It, that's that's your sum total. So you have to be super careful of who you let in your little circle, because whoever you give the most attention to, that will become you. And if you're not already, you will be. If they're assholes, you're going to be an asshole. You're going to be an asshole. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um. So, are there people in your immediate circle that are important to you? that are pulling you back into the bucket. If there is, you got to say bye Mm -hmm. because you're not good for me. I don't want to be in the bucket anymore. I don't want to get cooked on the stove. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I would like to bring you with me. You know, I'd like to help pull you out of the bucket as well so that you can avoid getting cooked on the stove too. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you don't want to come with me, well, I I can't force you to come with me. And that, that's leads into something, you know, um, maybe that's a different discussion later on, who knows, whatever, but it's about the, uh, it doesn't fit my, my narrative kind of concept. Like I already mm-hmm. have this preconceived theory and you're trying to blow it out of the water and, uh, but I've got all the substantiating evidence and it just doesn't work for me. So you know what, dude, you're wrong. You know, and I hate being told I'm wrong all the time by certain people. Right. It's like, maybe you're just not ready yet. You know, like, 
it's I've been on this road for for a couple of years now of, of healing and recovery and learning, and I'm not afraid to look at myself and say I made a mistake or I'm wrong. But when someone else is afraid to say that to the, about themselves, they're not ready. They haven't acknowledged they got a problem. Yeah, and some people never are. No, and you'd like to see them come out of that bucket, but you can't make them. That's, it's their it's their journey, right? And it, that's the part that's hard as a as, as yeah. a peer support person to have to let go at times is the hardest thing because naturally you don't want you want to save everybody. It's what we do, you know. That's why it's such a high burnout position. It be, is because you hate hate leaving them in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes people ask me the impossible questions when when somebody is just like this. Like how, how do you how do you make them see the light? You mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. You don't. All you can do is turn the light on and that's all you can do. They come to the light or they don't. It's on them. You make the light safe, Mm -hmm. supportive. That's all you can do. You can't make them come to light. Mm -hmm. You can only turn on the light. Yeah. That's all you can do. It's, it's not easy. Even, even as a volunteer doing it for doing it for nothing, it's still not easy at times. It's a, Oh my God, the amount of people, contacts I've had is like in the hundreds, you know, just way up there in the hundreds. And um, the people I'm actually still in contact with, it's just a small percentage. And it's sometimes it's just not, it's not you. Sometimes just that there's just a, you just don't click together. But other times, most often than not right now, it's, they're just not ready. Yeah. And we're a transitional service as well. It is. Um, You're not supposed to be in peer support for 40 years <laughs> you know um you can be if you want and that's mm-hmm. fine if that's what you need that's what you need there's nothing wrong with that that's right but don't become codependent yeah and, and that's something that we really try to be careful of and aware of as well is it's uh this isn't your thing and only thing you're going to have if you're using this i strongly recommend urge that you seek other things as well because I, I keep saying that we're only one spoke of the wheel and that's so true if you're your only if i'm your only link <laughs> there's a problem you you need to make more links Uh, that's exactly it yeah you know this is supposed to be a starting point it's yeah this is turning on the light yeah and giving you options for different paths to find the one that's right for you but just like working out on a regular basis it's a lifestyle change Mm -hmm. going to the gym doesn't get you in the shape going all the time for the rest of your life gets you into shape. It's, it's forming positive habits, getting rid of the destructive habits and replacing them with constructive habits. Mm -hmm. But it, the key word there is habit. So have the right habits, get rid of as many of the destructive ones as you can replace them with the constructive ones. And that's healing. That's actual healing is when your habits change. I've seen on a very, uh, very rarely Mark, I've seen people take, they've replaced a, destructive habit with a constructive one but then they overdo it and what ends up happening is that becomes a weaponized thing you know what i mean yep anything can be overdone yep every any anything can be overdone absolutely anything overdone and anything can be an addiction Mm -hmm. john senior i think we're about there brother Mm, okay Um, that went fast yeah 45 minutes unbelievable (laughs) 46 now but uh, John, thank you so much for the work that you continue to do. The work that you do with the Zoom meetings, um, it really does save lives and relieve pain. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And you do a very, very good job of it as well. Mark, thank you so much as well for having me on your podcasts here. Um, I, it's, a, it's a pleasure and honor to work with you. It really is. 100%. 
All right, brother. We're all rowing in the same direction in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome stuff. And, you know, I'll see you again later, another time. All right, brother. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. (laughs) 